my name is Leroy Larry and welcome. Natural physics will explain in down-to-earth scenarios how the principles of physics could have come about from observing nature. Each episode begins with a scenario followed by an example to illustrate the application of these principles in futuristic research at the frontiers of science such as my astrophysics research and then concludes with an exploration of how these same principles could have very well been used by ancient cultures and civilizations. Mathematics is naturally encountered and incorporated as the exciting and fun tool of science that it is. Science is the window into our amazing world of nature and mathematics is the tool to open that window. Natural physics encompasses current, futuristic and ancient physics and ties them together by the principles of physics that are common threads running throughout each. Greetings, I'm Leroy Larry, and welcome to Natural Physics, live from Costa Rica. In this episode, we continue to look at past and current documentation concerning the state of affairs about the knowledge that has been gathered about the spheres of Costa Rica. We have seen in previous episodes that there's not a whole lot of uh, knowledge out there, not as much as you would expect for something that is so unique, something that's rare in all the world that's only found just within those 10 hectares within Costa Rica. So I found on the internet the documentation that was written by the head archaeologist at the National Museum here in Costa Rica. It's a serious research paper and it's all in Spanish. So with the help of my guest, Mariela Bonilla, who will be joining us via video because here in Costa Rica, schools came back into session Monday of this week after being out, I believe, uh, almost two months. So, um, as very understandable, she's very busy, but yet she was able to take the time out to translate five pages of this document. And you remember I said, this document has special uh, uh, security stuff on it where you can't just copy and paste it into Google Translate. And myself, if I would have typed it word for word into Google Translate, probably would have taken me about a week to do it. So Mariella, thank you so much. Uh, we are going to play your video, everybody, where she's going to translate it and read from the document. Before we get to that, I want to do a go back from last week. Um, the book that I read from, it actually broke in half while I was reading it. Isn't that cool? I mean, talk about an ancient document, right? <laughs> it didn't turn into dust, right? But uh, yeah, it totally broke into half. Uh, totally broke into half when I was reading it. And, and actually on that note, uh, I did go back and look and the author, Eric Von Donegan, uh, he is Swiss as I thought uh, from Switzerland. And, um, and actually, uh, again, the comments that were made about uh, the poor creatures, you know, talking about the indigenous uh, people of Costa Rica. And I mean, it's a, it's, it's an attitude that's not only 
shared by Europeans, but Americans, Westerners. Let's let's put it that way, right? Uh, and one of my examples that I want to just say real quick, the Dogon tribe of West Africa, Mali, I believe, probably not too far from Timbuktu. That's funny, huh? Not too far from Timbuktu, right? Because, hey, Timbuktu, whoa, you're going all the way to Timbuktu. That's always been like, oh, you're going a long distance. But anyway, the Dogon tribe, they actually knew before Western astronomers, before astronomers in Europe, they knew that Sirius, the brightest star in the sky, has a white dwarf companion, and the two orbit each other in a cosmic dance. This tribe in West Africa knew this, knew that Sirius was a binary star system before Western astronomers. Huh? How is that possible? And get this, when the Europeans found out that they knew that, what did they try to say? Oh, a missionary must have came through the village and told them. <laughs> Not only is it kind of ridiculous that a monk or whatever uh, would have such astronomical knowledge. I guess some did, though, right, in the monasteries. But to say that this tribe was given this knowledge via travelers from Europe, missionaries or monks, right, that told them that Sirius had a, was a binary star system. Only problem with that, um, evidently, uh, Sirius A and Sirius B, they orbit each other in a 60 year uh, period of revolution. And, and uh, so it takes 60 years for them to make that turn in their dance. Now this 60 year uh, cycle, periodicity, was ingrained in the Dogon tribe's customs from way back, I mean, millennia, right? Hunt, I mean, yeah, when there was no missionaries or monks going to West Africa, right? The 60 year time period that it takes for uh, Series A and Series B to orbit each other, 60 years. And it's in, their, it's in the Dogons, how they plant their crops, tribal customs, rituals from, from way, way back. So that just blows that premise that the, the knowledge was tra translated to them by traveling monks or missionaries, right? And, and so here, here you have something and we're gonna to get to Mariel's video. Um, I think that a lot of times when a primitive peoples have knowledge that is surprisingly sophisticated and advanced, I think that mainstream science has a hard time swallowing that. They just can't believe that a peoples that they consider to be um, uh, not at their level is actually above their level, right? In astronomical knowledge or other kinds of knowledge. So um, the, the deal with the Dogon tribe, and by the way, Galileo supposedly discovered the, tel uh, invented the telescope, right? Well, now with the naked eye, yeah, you can see Sirius, brightest star in the night sky, but the wife door, the white dwarf companion? I don't think so. So without the aid of a telescope, how did they see that? I mean, and no lenses or anything like that have been found in the ruins of the Dogon village.
But again, it really makes you wonder, hmm. <laughs> okay, so now we're gonna get to Mariel's uh, video right now, but before we do, um, with the Baruka, okay, they, we're, we're, we're following up, obviously, from about the past, I don't know how many episodes, that we're gonna follow up on their statement that the spheres are connected to being able to predict lunar eclipses and being a lunar calendar. And what was so intriguing to me reading uh, the book from last week was it was considered taboo to even talk about it, right? And with the scarcity of written documentation about the spheres, again, you have a scarcity of information. Now, I don't guess it could be that it's not wanted for knowledge to get out about this unique phenomena that exists because of a primitive peoples, right? Who just may have astronomical knowledge beyond what they would have been expected to have. I don't know. We've got a lot of theories about why there's a scarcity of knowledge and why it's not talked about, even here in Costa Rica. So this research paper that you're gonna look at, if, if I'm able to, I'll bring up the page. We're, 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 we're trying to do this screen share deal, everybody, and it, it's kind of uh, still, still getting it ironed out, but if I'm able to, I'll, I'll bring up the tab where you can go on the internet, and if you type in the spheres of Costa Rica, it brings up a Wikipedia, and at the bottom are the PDFs that I wanted to scroll through, uh, one of which is the one that we're going to look at now via Mariella's video. So everybody, we're going to roll her video, and uh, please enjoy. Hello, Natural Physics. This is a report of an archaeological investigation made by the National Museum in Costa Rica managed by Francisco Corrales. This is a translation made by Mariela Bonilla. The original document is in Spanish and it is copyrighted. Let's try to follow with the original document. On page 25, it says, the observation of celestial phenomena. The objective is the observation of the relationship of the alignments of the spheres located in Finca 6 with sunrise during equinoxes and solstices. The purpose is to explore some relationship of these alignments oriented from east to west with those phenomena based on a basic schedule related to the agricultural cycle and seasonal change. Laboratory work. Due to the type of procedure that mainly involve the collection of surface debris, test wells, cleaning of canal profiles, trenches, and cleaning of structures, ceramic and lithic materials were the most abundant. Dolithic and ceramic materials were subject to a basic processing that involved washing, 
separation by raw material, quantification, labeling, separation by forms, inventory, survey, and specific analysis. Other types of materials were processed and analyzed according to their nature. They included, in all cases, cleaning, preparation, inventory, and packaging. Ceramic analysis. The ceramic analysis combined the typological classifications with the manners that allowed to make discussions about the temporality of this between sites and cultural traditions. Ceramic types are used to evaluate spatial distribution and the set of formal and decorative attributes to evaluate continuity or lack thereof. In Gran Chiriqui, ceramic analysis have used taxonomical classifications based on types and tableware or wares, including the type variety system, according to the others. An analytical classification complemented the analysis. More modes are more suitable than types for regional comparisons and evaluation of continuity over time. Here the definition by, by Rose in 1960 of modes such as customs or standards that are transmitted from generation to generation and that can be dispersed spatially is taken up. Modes are reflected in artifacts and attributes and may have space, time, historical, meaning or refer to the nature of artifacts. Descriptive. The model classification includes formal or decorative attributes, forms of vessels, appendices, handles or brackets. Solithic analysis is the classification of materials found according to the form, dimension, technology, raw material, and its function. This investigation gave the results of to limit the areas to find houses and graves and also found materials like gold, gifts for the gods, and two groups of three spheres in line, which might mean something. A very close astronomical meaning of the spheres. The grouping of the spheres could represent the constellations, or they could be a sign of the sunrise or sunset during equinoxes or solstices. Those associations would be based on agricultural cycles and would constitute rudimentary calendars that, together with the other phenomena of nature, would indicate propitious moments for agricultural tasks, as well as social and religious activities. The alteration of the original sets, or even worse, the total or partial removal of sets of spheres, called astronomical gardens, have 
prevented further progress in this purpose. However, the option remains open, more so if one considers the well-documented uses than the ancient societies of the movement of the sun and the stars and the use of that knowledge for calendars, as well as myths and legends. Likewise, the observation of celestial phenomena still carried out by current indigenous groups, such as the Bribris, for whom an ideological closeness with the former occupants of the Delta is postulated. It provides indirect support. Therefore, it was considered as one of the objectives of the project to explore possible associations of the groups of spheres, spheres with celestial phenomena. The recording of two alignments of spheres in the place in Finca 6, oriented from east to west, has opened the possibility of exploring possible relationships of this with celestial phenomena. The observations have been carried out for three years in a very restricted way. So the results are very brief, but they point to a huge potential for research. Here are some results. Methodology, computer simulation, using the Starry Night Enthusiast for that five program, some simulations were performed by introducing the variables, space, and probably construction time, 800 before Christ. The relationship with the sun in particular constellation was explored in search of possible relationships. GPS measurements using the global position system, different groups of readings were taken at different sites with the spheres. Uh, Garmin 12 350 unit was used. Observations and photographic recording. Observations and photo shoots have been conducted especially at Finca 6, at sunrise and sunset, on the dates of equinoxes and solstices, to record the relationship of the alignments with the horizon. On-site measurements. The orientation of alignments and the height of the horizon have been measured to look for possible relationships between alignments, topographical features, and sunrise or specific constellations. Preliminary results. Field observations in these cases usually take a lot of time. These have been mainly limited to Finca 6 and especially to the spring equinox in March 21st. However, the results are very poor because of the spacing and brief of the observations conducted. Due to logistical problems, for some years it has only been present in one or two days, but so much more research is required to generate some conclusions. 
solstices and equinoxes. The sun appears at different points on the horizon during the year. The solstice marks the extreme points of its trajectory, moving from northeast in the summer solstice to southeast in the winter solstice. During the spring equinox, it will be closer to the east, with a short variation to the north in contrast to a small deviation to the south during the autumnal equinox. Computer simulations. The alignments of spheres of Inca 6 are oriented approximately from east to west, with a slight deviation to the north. 82 and a half degrees and 85 degrees respect, respectively. Using the program Steering Night Enthusiast, several simulations were produced on different dates from 700 to 1500 after Christ for sunrise during solstice and equinoxes in Palmar Sur. The results of the conducted simulation pointed to the equinoxes rather than the solstices. Hmm. With the spring equinox being when the sun would have come out in an orientation like that of the alignments without this being exact. We can see that in figure 35. A simulation was also made with the alignment of seven spheres recorded by S. Lothrop in 1963 that we can look at in figure 3. In Finca 5, the alignment is oriented at 100 degrees and could be related to the autumnal equinox when the sun appears at approximately 92 degrees or to a topographical accident on the horizon not yet documented in the mountains of Osa. Field observations. During the year 2004, there were observations in Finca 6. It was only in March that the sunrise could be clearly observed. In June, September and December, there were showers in the previous days and usually the mornings were dark and cloudy. In addition, it was frequent that along the Sierpe River, which runs between the alignments and the horizon, a bank of low altitude clouds rose that covered the horizon. In any case, in these months the sunrise came out as recorded in the simulation so they were ruled out as possible associations. We suggest that the spring equinox would be the most likely date of some correlation, since it is the period of the year of greatest luminosity because it is the dry season. In the year 2005, there were cloudiness conditions in 2006 and 2007, the sun came out with a deviation between 5 and 7 degrees, as seen in the simulation of figure 36. Let's see figure number 36. The observations have not been as consistent as they should be. Some limitations have been for reasons of logistics and distance has not been able to remain in the area 
during the days before and after the equinox to document the movement of the sun. Also, in some years, it has not been possible to be the exact day of the equinox of, and the observation have been restricted to a single day. The alignments will coincide, coincide with the sunrise at some time of the year, which will be important to document and see other possible connections. This appearance may be related to some specific point on the horizon, which has not been recorded yet. Constellations. The groups of spheres can represent the reading and the representation of specific group, groups of stars. Also, the arrangement or the order of the spheres, of the group of spheres, is different, but they seem to respond to a preconceived plan. In this case, one can explore associations with those constellations visible in the dry season of the year and close to the Milky Way. Some constellations that tend to be more visible by their zenithal position and the relationship with the Milky Way stand out for their recurrence in the mythology of groups around the world. We can cite Orion, Taurus, Ken Minor, and Pleiades. For example, the stars that are in the Western traditions, the ones that are known as the constellations of Orion for the Egyptians, were Osiris for the Chimu, which is a thief thrown to the vultures. For the ponies, some deer, and for the bribris here in Costa Rica, it is a stick of Cebu, according to the other restaurant in 1995. Computer simulations. The Steering Night Enthusiast program also produced several simulations on different dates from 700 to 1500 before Christ. I'm sorry, after Christ. For the hours before dawn and the early hours of dusk with the constellations of Orion and Taurus. From the observation point of the spheres, Orion and Taurus, including Pleiades, would have appeared in the east during the summer, during the summer solstice in June, before sunrise, between 6 and 5 a.m. Six months later, on the winter solstice, appeared in the same direction, around 7 p.m. The two groups are particularly important for the role mentioned in the mythology of closed groups. Stars such as Betelgeuse, Cyrus, Aldebaran, Proxion, and others very bright 
in their appearance on the horizon may have played a role in the beliefs of the indigenous groups of the Dickies Delta. Field observations. The possible associations documented in the simulation proved to be difficult to prove in the field due to the rainy or cloudy condition on the dates indicated. When they went, it was striking on March 21, 2006, that at night the group of stars over the spheres were Orion. Due to the, the high visibility in the place, it is possible to think that during the dry season, the starry nights constituted an opportunity to narrate myths and legends using the groupings of the stars, which is very interesting. On the other hand, we have tried to observe some parallels between sets of spheres and constellations or sections of this. A comment from the author says that although it is true the results obtained so far do not allow to base any specific association, neither can we rule them out and we must continue to investigate. The spheres can still be inscribed in the tradition of many groups to record their observation of celestial phenomena by creating mnemonic mechanisms. These memory aids were common in many societies of ancient. The rich belief system of neighboring groups supports the assumption. It is through continuous field observations that preliminary observations can be supported or discarded. Wow. Thank you so much, Mariella. I mean, uh, <laughs> that was okay. That was I, those research papers, whether it's archaeology, astrophysics, they can be painful. I mean, unless you're in that area, right? <laughs> I mean, but <clears throat> it is straight on research. And those pages that Mariella read, what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do a screen share and bring up the document that she read from and scroll down through it. And um, I mean, what now what I heard out of all that information, I can't thank you enough, Mariella. I, I seriously can't. No matter what language, no matter what language uh, you're reading, no matter what language a person is reading in, those research papers are intense. Seriously, but what and it was my first time hearing the information, just like it was Mariella's uh, when she uh, when she translated it. It was her first time reading it. It everybody, it's your first time hearing it as well. A lot of information coming at you. What I got out of it was number one, there was definitely 
a reference made to the fact that the spheres could be connected in some kind of way to a calendar. I'm pretty sure I heard that correctly. And I also seem like I heard that the spring equinox was the one uh, celestial event that it seemed to be most related to the spheres, not the fall equinox, not the solstices, not the winter or the summer solstices. Very interesting, the spring equinox. So there we have it, everybody. We have the authority on the spheres, the head archeologist at the National Museum of Costa Rica. I'm gonna go to his research paper and scroll down through it. And um, again, keep in mind that this is a document that is uh, referenced by other scientific organizations that are thinking about doing research on the spheres. This would be your go-to document. So now I'm gonna try to share the screen, okay? And I'm gonna go to the entire screen. I wanna do that, okay? So now, okay, so I'm gonna hide this, okay? Please let me know, everybody, if you cannot see any of this. Okay, now if you're seeing what you're supposed to be seeing, we have the document up of what Mariella just read through. Ray, if you give me a holler and say, dude, we're not seeing nothing, please let me know. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Again, all in Spanish, so I'm just gonna start scrolling. Um, actually, I wanna go to this one. Sorry, everybody. We'll get to this other one. This is the one Mariella read through. This is the full-on research paper, okay? So I'm just gonna start scrolling, okay? And uh, don't get, oh, there's the author, head archeologist and the assistants, okay? 2005, all right, here we go. Oh, July 2007, okay. So I kinda just wanna scroll and there's the two parts I wanna get to which is the parts that Mariella read through. But I just want you to get the size of this documentation. I mean, it's huge, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, and as we scroll through this, uh, I, I just want to go back to the book of, of last week. And, you know, I wonder what I see. There's the area that we're talking about, the 10 hectares that the spheres are located in, in the the key delta, pronounce it correctly that right, thanks to that time, thanks to Marielle. Okay, keeping on going. Old photographs, right? Okay, yeah, see? Look at that. I mean, 1955, huh? Okay, so, okay, we're gonna keep going. And, um, and so, I wonder what I thought being 15 years old, reading what uh, the author from last uh, week uh, wrote about the indigenous peoples, right? Oh, there's another map. Yep, uh, four major sites, right, where the spheres have been found. And as we saw in the previous uh, episode, we have the longitude and the latitude of those sites that will be useful as we uh, proceed. So, okay, I haven't gotten any notification from that you're not seeing anything, so I think we're rolling, literally. Hey! 
Oh, most excellent. Thank you, Ray. We're literally rolling. <laughs> All right. Okay, so here we go. Keep going. Because I want to get to page 85, which is where Mariella was reading from. Again, I just want I want I want to, I want to show you. I mean, this 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 let me let me drink a little water here. This is a 107-page document. Oh, there's some nice photos. I mean, this is meticulous work. It really is. I mean, this archaeology is not a precise and exact science, as you call it, right? <laughs> not at all. So, I mean, the amount of work that went into producing this document, unreal. Seriously unreal. Okay, we're on page 51. It, this is our starting point. We need to know where uh, the common consensus is on the spheres from the established scientific community, okay? That's what we need to know. And the fact that in this document, the part that we're getting ready to get to that Mariella read from is actually mentioned that there could be a correspondence. See, this is what I thought was what the tools might have looked like when I made that reference in a past episode. Okay. Yeah, there's pottery and stuff. Okay, we're getting, okay, here we go. We're getting to page 85. Okay, so right here is where Mariella, uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? Okay, here we go. Okay, right here. E, approximation al significado astronomico de las esferas. So this is what Mariella was reading from, everybody. Okay, so I'm just going to slowly scroll through that. Okay, methodology, methodology methodologia <laughs> method right and um yeah so this is what she was reading everybody and here's the diagrams that she, the figures that she was referring to so again what strikes me is that the spring equinox was single oh oh there's look at that everybody there's your alignment of two of the spheres with the rising sun 2004, 2005, 2006, okay. And then talks about constellations, right? Computer simulations. Oh, an unbelievable, excuse me, an unbelievable amount of work went into this. Okay, so again, Mariella, she read all this. Okay, so again, from this, thanks to Mariella, we're able from my, from my opinion, two major points. Spring equinox is the phenomena that seems that they think, the people who did this research think could be connected to the spheres. And also there was mention of a calendar. So we have that to go with, the, the, the authority. Now what I wanna do, I'm just gonna scroll through the rest of this document because I think real quickly I can get to these other PDFs that I wanted to show you. Okay. Oh, there's some cool color photographs, right? There we go. And again, you can you can get this on the internet, everybody. I'm gonna show you again where you can find this. Okay. Okay. There we go. All right. Okay. So now I'm gonna go to. This is another. Uh, this is another paper that the head archaeologist did. Again, it's on the page that I'll show you after this that you can go. You can find on the internet. What's cool about this? It's in Spanish and English, right? Okay? It's, uh, it's got a, you'll see. See, you have 
you have the Spanish presentation, and then you got the English. Okay? Introduction, introduction. Okay, so if you scroll through this, really nice pictures of the, the key delta. And where and and really, you know, it's a different format than a research paper, right? I tell you, the research papers, they're rough. I mean, unless you're in that specific area of research, you're not you're not hardly gonna read so many of these research papers, right? I mean, they can be very painful, but they're not painful to the people who are in that area. I mean, they're beautiful, they're beautiful anyway. I mean, that amount of work that's done, but as far as just being a work of art, oh, it's totally appreciated by the people that are within that group. So yeah, you can see all these really cool pictures in this document. And like I said, it's in Spanish and English. Okay, wow, there's a, whoa. Okay, so very cool documentation. Oh, there, look at this. Now there's two spheres I showed before that are lined up with the sun, okay? Sunrise, and that's at one of the sites in uh, Finca, in Finca 6 site, okay? Gonna keep on going, all right, okay? And yeah, and I'm just kind of going through this quick because like I said, you can totally find this on the internet, everybody. I'm gonna show you where. But again, here's some more documentation on the spheres, right? We're, oh, check this out, everybody. Remember Mariella talking about the dance of the devils, right? Where the Baruca, it was their way of saying that they had not been defeated by the Spanish conquistadors. They had not been defeated by Spain. Well, there you go. There's a picture, the caption reads, Indigenous presentation, quote, little devil's play, unquote, from Cure Yimba at the Spheres Festival. So there's there's the bull. There's the bull right there. I, I don't know if you can see my cursor moving, but there's the bull. And there's the little devils beating up on the bull, right? Beating up on Spain. <laughs> right on. Okay. So, all right. Uh, and uh, so here's the end of it. Okay, now very quickly, I'm going to go to the third PDF I wanted to show everybody. Remember my story about the expedition that went into the jungles of the Amazon and, and observed birds using a reddish-brown plant to soften stone and that the indigenous peoples knew about this? Here's a full-on research paper that was done in the 80s, uh, Brookhaven, New York. Okay, 1997, I guess, Geopolymer Institute, but 8182, these papers were published in 8182, making cements with plant ec extracts. Okay, so I'm gonna do like I did the other two PDFs. I'm just gonna scroll through. Here's the title. Abrogation of Stone Objects by Geopolymeric Synthesis in the Pre-Incan Huanca Civilization, parentheses, Peru, parentheses. Again, this is a research paper that's in the same style as the first one. Full-on research paper. Very painful unless you're into this, right? Unless you're into this area, okay? So let's just, but again, now this expedition was at the turn of the century, late 1800s, early 1900s. Here's a full-on research paper talking about something that very well 
may have been known by the indigenous tribes of the Amazon rainforest back at the turn of the century. Okay, here we go. Just going to scroll through it. Okay. The disaggregation of stone materials with organic acids from plant extracts, an ancient and an ancient and universal technique. Okay. Disaggregation, the breaking apart. So the breaking apart of stones, materials, making them able to break up with organic acids from plant extracts. Isn't that what the birds were doing back at the turn of the century? They were disaggregating the, the, the stone of the sheer granite cliff. They were breaking it apart by rubbing that reddish brown plant and thereby extracting organic acids from that plant. And then they go on to say an ancient and universal technique. So again, everybody, here we go. Oh, and there's a, there's a, a graph, sophisticated graph, huh? These people aren't playing with this research, just like in the first PDF and the second PDF. Look at those graphs, serious graphs, huh? Tables, oh yeah, they did some serious work on this. Oh, they even throw in an ancient Egyptian hieroglyph, huh? <laughs> right on. Okay. So again, here we have a modern uh, acknowledgement that here you have ancient knowledge that very well is, it passes the science test. I mean, they, they did a research paper on it, right? Okay. So I'm glad I was able to get to these three PDFs. Now I'm going to show you the page where you can find all of these. Okay. Again, if you go to Wikipedia, Stone Spheres of Costa Rica, type in stone. It's really interesting. You can get a different Wikipedia page for the same subject, meaning instead of getting a page that says Stone Spheres of Costa Rica, you could get a page that says Costa Rica Spheres. And it's, it's Wikipedia, but it doesn't contain the same a lot of the same information. So make sure you type in Stone Spheres of Costa Rica. And if you scroll to the bottom of the page, oh, by the way, there's my sphere <laughs> on the University of Costa Rica. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. All right. So now as we scroll down at the bottom, you have references. And the very first PDF, the authority on the spheres that was written by the head archaeologist at the museum, at the National Museum of Costa Rica, that's this one right here. So if you type, type in what I'm shading, where it says El Pesaje, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm tearing that pronunciation up, but El Pesaje Cultural del Delta de Diqui, San Jose. Type that in, and that first PDF will come up, the one that Mariella read from. Okay. And then the second PDF that, that was in Spanish and English, if you type this in, okay, Investigaciones Archaeológicos en Sitios con Esferas del Piedra Delta del Dique, put that in Google, the second PDF will come up. And then the one on the uh, cement using uh, plant ex extracts, that's this one right here. So if you type in, if you type in making cements with plain extracts, 
that PDF will come up. I mean, there's just, there's so many things. I, there's so, you, what, what can't you find on the internet? Okay, now, now that uh, screen sharing is working, here's what I found as the most recent article that I've come across uh, that was sent to me uh, by, by a virtue of Bruce Callow. Remember, uh, he, was, he was in our uh, second episode. And this came out on May 31st of this year. It's about a recent discovery of a massive, nearly perfect uh, stone sphere. So there, I'll just kind of scroll down through it. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, full, oh, there's, there's a real nice picture of the sphere. Look at that. I mean, look at that, huh? Okay, I'm just gonna leave this up. Now, you can see, wait, let me make sure there's not a cooler picture further, oh. You know, we're gonna come back up though. Look at that, look at that. Huh? Look at all those spheres, everybody. And I don't see a jacked up one amongst them, do you? I mean, I don't see any of them that have corners and just totally out of spherical shape. Uh, and then I'm gonna go down a little bit further. Okay, so let's go back up to this one. Okay, so there you can see the part that has been exposed to the elements. Look how much of the rest of the sphere has been under the ground. Isn't that unreal? And this, this reminds you of that photograph of the two spheres that are in alignment with the sunrise, the parts that are exposed, right? And Mariella brought out a very good point about, unfortunately, so many of these spheres have been removed from their original positions that it's almost impossible uh, to be able to, uh, I don't wanna say impossible, but again, maybe the ones that are still in their original locations like this one, maybe it's enough with like the PDFs that uh, Mariella read from with the current knowledge and with, and with what we're gonna find out hopefully from the Baruka. Um, it, it, it's, it's gonna be, I was gonna say, because so many spheres have been removed from their original positions, Mariella had made the comment that it's almost impossible to be able to reconstruct uh, where they were, which is very true. However, maybe, just maybe, if we're able to get some additional information from the Baduka, already the statement about them being a lunar calendar has been, uh, has been stated in the research paper that Mariella read from, a lunar calendar. Actually, calendar. I, I don't remember if, if specifically lunar was said, but hey, the word calendar, right? That's enough for me. Hey, that's so cool that there's a connection with what was told to Mar Mariella's friend by word of mouth from the Baruka, totally coincides with a statement made in the authority documentation on the subject from the head archeologist in the world on the spheres. Very cool that we have that connection, huh, everybody? And very interesting that the research goes on to say about it being spring equinox. So we need to keep that in mind. 
we need to look at the differences that differentiate the spring equinox from the other phenomena that might coincide with the spheres. But again, looking at this picture, I mean, I'm just eyeballing it, but doesn't it look almost perfectly spherical? And you remember the author last week saying about how he doesn't see how they could have been built on the spot because you wouldn't be able to judge what's touching the ground, right? I guess unless you had to rotate it. There's a lot of things to think about. And, and, and while I'm on that note, again, as a 15-year-old reading his, what he said about the indigenous peoples, I probably just read over it and didn't, didn't really hit me because, hey, I'm 15, right? Sophomore in high school. Uh, you know the word sophomore means wise fool, right? <laughs> you think you know everything. Hey, nobody can tell you nothing, right? So I'm sure as I read that, I probably just, oh, hmm, okay, yeah. Again, I, I, I didn't know where Costa Rica was, had never heard of it. So yeah, I probably thought it was kind of jacked up that he said what he said, but I, I just I probably, okay, okay, yeah, there we go. Uh, so, and, and his comment about, you know, he had to bring in where the extraterrestrials come in, right? Uh, coming in spherical shaped vehicles. And I know I got a kick out of that, but hey, when you think about it, what are the shape of the planets in our solar system? Spheres, right, for the most part. The moons, huh? Other solar stellar systems. Planet we haven't found any square moons or elliptical planets or square planets or elliptical moons orbiting anywhere yet, have we? No, seems like nature picks spheres as the shape for celestial objects, including our Earth. So, hey, in terms of space travel, who's to say, right? Okay, just wanted to go back on that. Okay, everybody, um, again, Mariella, thank you so much for doing that. Um, and uh, again, everybody, I believe this is the last documentation we will ever read from to you, <laughs> okay? Again, wanted to establish what's out there in the scientific community concerning the spheres. What's the current state of affairs of the knowledge? That's one part to start from, okay? And when we approach the Baruka, that's something that we wanna present to them, okay? Oh, we're gonna have a full-on package. And again, um, <clears throat> What occurred to me was if there's an intentional effort to uh, ignore the immense knowledge that these indigenous peoples may have, oh, we're gonna try to help them regain it. We're gonna try to help them get it back to the best of our ability, right? Using physics and mathematics, huh? We're gonna put together a very logical, plan of approach to step to them with, give them reasons why we're there to talk to them, right? Let them know how special they are in all the world. Let them know that they're really not well known, not only in the rest of the world, but in their, right here in Costa Rica. Why is that? I mean, they're a national treasure. The spheres are a national treasure, which, yeah, it's a UNESCO site, but so much is written on the Great Pyramids of Egypt. So much is written on Chichen Itzu and Teotihuacan. 
So much is written on Beijing and the pyramids that have been found there, I believe buried. So much is written about Machu Picchu. So much is written about all these sites in the Near East, Africa, the Sudan. Okay, well, I think you know and I know that right here in Costa Rica, we have something that stands right up there with all that. All the ancient cultures seem to have the same knowledge about how to keep track of the movements of the moon and the sun. And they came up with observing lunar eclipses, more easily observable, more easily to keep track of the moon than the sun at first. And then the sun was kept track of. But again, the Baduka, from what we've been told, they've lost that knowledge. And with the current PDFs that we read from, the current knowledge, we're going to find out from the Baduka what they think. And then we're going to put the two together. We're going to have our own theories. But we are going to follow this through. And we're going to first, we're going to make sure that the Baduka realize what they have and how important it is to try to get that back for the whole world. A piece of ancient knowledge that modern scientists sure didn't come up with. Okay, everybody, we've hit the one hour mark. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Mariella, I can't thank you enough. All right, everybody. <laughs> Tune in next week. Same fat time, same fat channel.